Welcome, everybody, to the IBN Weekly College Football Podcast. We are in week 11. I've got with me the man with the plan who's constantly traveling all of a sudden trying to get us inside scoops on the Urban Meyer <laughs> and USC situation, Marcus Anthony. What's up, Marcus? What's going on, man? How you doing? Nothing much, man. Is there any buzz out there in L.A. about Urban Meyer? There's a little. I mean, I think locally, I think most people think that the new administration is probably going to look elsewhere. I don't think that mm-hmm. Urban Meyer is a realistic possibility on either side. Um, but the thing that always stands out to me every time I visit L.A. and to be here in Southern California and to think kids actually leave here to go to Ohio. Like, no, listen, no, not going to Ohio. I, I mean, it just is what it is. And I just, I'm like, how bad do you have to be at UCLA or USC to have this recruiter level recruiting base, arguably the largest in the nation. And it not only have the weather and it being LA, I'm like, I don't get it, man. Like you gotta be really, really bad. But the next guy they get hopefully is going to, you know, be able to, at least restore USC to, you know, there's no reason they can't be, you know, a top 15 program year in and year out, you know, and I know they got to challenge Oregon, but I think in LA, it just seems to be like, Hey, you know what? Urban Meyer is not a real big possibility. And there's actually like, you know, some LA times articles and some people that are really Bill Plasky, um, you know, he's always on around the horn or PTI and he Mm -hmm. wrote a piece about, you know, why Urban Meyer, you know, there's, there's actually some like Urban Meyer resistance, which is crazy, but, yeah, we'll see how it works out. I mean, they're going to screw it up anyway. But. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not the only team looking for a potential coach, <laughs> but we'll touch on that later. Um, let's go ahead and start with what everybody's been waiting on. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, college football playoffs. Uh, we'll do all 25 teams uh, for the actual committee, and then we'll do a comparison of the IBN committee's top 10 and then the actual committee's top 10. So we'll start with 22 22- – 20 through 25. Um, number 20, University of Cincinnati at 71. Number 21, University of Memphis at 81. Number 22, Boise State University at 71. 23, and the only team ranked in the top 25 with more than two losses, Oklahoma State at 6 and 3. Uh, then we have my favorite team, Navy, uh, coming in at number 24 at 7 and 1, and then rounding off the top 25 at 8-1 SMU. You see any issues with uh, the bottom five teams? No, nah, I'm surprised that, you know, Cincinnati and Memphis are still so close. Um, I think – well, maybe I'm not surprised, but I think that's about right. You know, they're probably the two best power five schools, you know, and then you got boys here at 22. But, no, nah, I, I don't see any issue there. So, I mean, I, I'm a little – I'm a little annoyed that o- Oklahoma State – is six and three and in the top twenty five, but I guess I get that their wins probably are way more impressive than say Appalachian State's loss to you know Joe Smo. Um, I can't remember who they lost to last week, but uh, I think this committee, if we just take in exactly how everybody's ranked, um, I, I know everybody keeps saying the eye test, but I think they take into consideration current form. Like if you didn't look good yeah. in your last couple games. Like, you're getting punished for it, and I think that's what we're seeing in, in some of these rankings, and that might also answer why Cincinnati and Memphis are so close. Um, yeah. Coming in at number 19, Wake Forest University at 7-1, uh, number 18, University of Iowa at 6-2, and two. 
Uh, a surprise that I thought they were ranked so low. Number seventeen, University of Minnesota at eight and zero. Uh, number sixteen, yeah. Kansas State University at six and two, and then rounding off uh, number fifteen, University of Notre Dame at six and two. Like I really thought they would reward Minnesota for being um, so high. I mean, we we had a couple committee members in IBN who had Minnesota in their top ten. Uh, be, because they're, I don't know if it's because they're 8-0, but I guess people are somewhat impressed by their body of work. At this point in the season, if you're still undefeated, you you deserve some credit um, because yeah. it's difficult to stay focused. And, and we know some of these some of these games, um, as we headed into conference play, uh, there are trap games sandwiched in between those. So it's, it's good that your kids can stay focused. Do you think Minnesota got a little disrespected? Um. I mean, I think the committee's point of view is they just don't know. Like, I mean, you've seen Minnesota have really, really close games against San Diego, uh, excuse me, South Dakota State. You know, one of the better one. you know, the Jackrabbits are really, really good. People watch 1AA football, FCS, or whatever it is now. They're a really good team, but then they've also had games where they go out and they look, you know, pretty dominant, a really good team like Nebraska. And I think committee's point of view is like, you know what, we're going to see exactly what they are against Penn State. And then I think, you know, going forward, we'll see where Minnesota, you know, what they really think. Because, I mean, maybe this loss knocks them completely out of the top 25. Because I think people, or really close to the bottom, I think people just don't believe in them. Yeah, you know, I will say um, – Even as they didn't know. I, I think that, that the committee um, definitely will take a look at um, at the fact that it is Penn State. Penn State is, is one of their top teams. So I don't know if – Losing at number 17 would drop them out of the top 25, but it probably will move them down some notches. Um, I, I do appreciate that they don't seem to overvalue uh, the losses, per se. Like, you know, they, it seems like they were understanding that some of these teams lost games that were bad situations. Like uh, like they're coming in off, off of a, um, a, a hard-fought conference game, and then you got the letdown game and things like that. So I don't think Minnesota would be punished too much for losing to Penn State. But in retrospect, I would be curious to see how they punish Penn State if Minnesota actually wins. Because based off of – and when we get there, I'll talk about it a little bit more. But based off of how they ranked the top teams, it seemed like – and somebody had mentioned this on the analysis on ESPN, but it seemed like there was a message being sent to some of them saying, like, you need to win or you will not be in the playoffs. Um, so yeah. I think Penn State is definitely one of those teams that's sandwiched in that mix. Uh, let's see. Coming in at number 14, our favorite, University of Michigan, 7-2. and two. They back, baby. Uh, number 13, <laughs> University of Wisconsin at 6-2. and two. Uh, Number 12, a team that was very popular with our committee, uh, Baylor University at 8-0. and oh. And We'll stop at number 11 because we're going to do the top 10 together. But um, coming in at number 11, Auburn University at 7-2. and two. Any issues with that uh, section of the ranking? No, nah, I think that's about right. I think Florida's probably the best two-loss team there is. I think that's fair. Well, Auburn okay. is Auburn. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's, Auburn's losses have been on the road, right? They lost at LSU and at Florida, so – and, and that that kind of does hurt them, honestly. And, and we had talked about this in, in the preseason. Like, you know, we didn't know exactly what to expect from Auburn. Um, we knew the defense would be okay, but we didn't know too much about the offense. And then when you look at um, 
when you look at their schedule, they literally are set up to play every good team in the SEC. They're playing Georgia. They're playing um, Alabama. They're playing LSU. So they're, they're playing Florida. And, and um, unfortunately for them, the first two games that they had on their schedule against those top teams were on the road. But they get um, Alabama at home, and they get uh, Georgia at home, on two, I think, too. So they will have a chance to right the wrong. Now, let's say hypothetically Auburn somehow by, by a miracle pulls it off and they beat Georgia and Alabama. Would that be enough in your mind to boost them um, to uh, a top four team? No. I, I, I just don't. I mean, I'd have to see how they won, but I still don't think that's enough for a two-loss team to, you know, even though those are two really, you know, quality wins down the stretch, I don't see it that would be enough to for them to jump, you know, Oregon, Clemson, Georgia. Like, nah, I don't think that's enough for all of them. Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is. I'm just thinking hypothetically because, um, like I said, the committee seems to value uh, some of these wins, man. They seem to value, um, and, and they're going to be at home. I don't know if they would, how much they would put into the fact that they get these wins at home. It probably would have looked better if they had done some road wins, but um, Auburn's still in a position to play spoiler um, for Alabama, um, especially not yeah. necessarily for Georgia, but Georgia, when we, like I said, when we get there based off their rankings, Georgia still has a shot. So um, yeah, let's go ahead and do the top 10. Um, the way we're going to do the top 10 is I'm going to give you um, 10 through six and, and we'll do a side-by-side comparison with um, what our committee did as well. So the official ranking for the college football playoff committee, numbers uh, six through 10, coming in at number 10, University of Florida at seven and two, coming in at number nine, University of Oklahoma at seven and one, coming in at number eight, University of Utah at eight and one, coming in at number seven, University of Oregon at eight and one, and then coming in at number six, University of Georgia at seven and one. Um, the only difference in our committee's um, rankings is that we have Baylor at number ten and not Florida, but everything else is exactly the same. So this was a hot topic in our group for for a while. A lot of people felt pretty passionate about it. I was surprised that Baylor. Um, had pretty much the uh, majority of the votes uh, from the committee. We have 13 members. They got at least seven. Um, do you think Baylor um, deserves a, a number 10 ranking? Are they that good? Well, I mean, like you said, they're undefeated team. And I think much like Minnesota, we probably, you know, the jury's still out on them. But I think they're quality football team. I, I mean, we're going to know, you know, obviously a lot more when they play Oklahoma in a few weeks and, you know, mm-hmm. as they progress down the schedule. But, I mean, Matt Rule's a good coach and they look pretty good. Top 10, I mean, are they better in Auburn and Florida? I, I would say that they're even. That's how I view those three teams. I view Florida, Auburn, and Baylor about even. I, I mean, I know Florida has – you know, they play some good games, and so has Auburn. But, I'm, I mean, they're not football teams. I'm like, wow, they're that much better than Baylor. I think those three are very comparable. And I think people have just, you know, whether it's bias, whether the eye test or whatever it is, people are just saying, okay, well, I just feel, you know, Florida and Auburn probably better. And, you know, even in their losses, their losses are, their losses are probably better than Baylor's, like, worst win, best win right now, if that makes sense, you know. 
Yeah, I I didn't understand all the uh, hoopla about it. Um, I I just I mean I get it. Auburn and Florida are more appealing names. I don't I don't like that they've had two losses and they get more credit for the losses than uh, another team does for win. Like I, I get it that obviously Baylor isn't playing LSU or or playing. Um, Georgia, and, and I get that. But in the same breath, Baylor has played well enough that I think that, I mean, we're not talking about putting them in the playoffs. We're talking about the number 10 spot. I mean, we've had yeah. teams like U, UCF, they don't play anybody, but they've, in, recent, in years past, have almost touched the 10th spot or, or been around that mix, you know? And I, and I agree with you. I think 7-2, and two, Auburn and University of Florida – are not much different in eight no Baylor. I wish we could put them all together and make them play for it. Um, I think people would be surprised about Baylor. I think Baylor is a good team. They're not the best, but they're a solid, well-coached team, and, and these kids play hard. Um, like they come to play every Saturday as well, so there hasn't been any games where you can really look and be like, oh, they're not really that good. They'll look at that. That's that's a hiccup game there. No, like they beat everybody that's been put in front of them. Um, pretty yeah. much meeting expectations of not only what, what people would say as far as like the, the betting lines go, but also the analysts, like when they just talk about how they expect the team to win, if they win comfortably and things like that. I have not heard any complaints about the Baylor Bears. Um, and in fact, it's kind of sad that Oklahoma's like seven and one in their loss to um, to the drawing a blank. Yeah, they lost to Kansas State has kind of overshadowed how Baylor has pretty much transformed. You know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but that program was 1-11 two years ago. 1-11, everybody left, written off, and now they're 8-0. Like, I I hope they do uh, um, win against Oklahoma. I think it would be good for the the Big 12. I really do. I think think competition um, within these conferences is good. I think we need more drama to kind of push forward uh, with this mentality that we should expand the college football playoffs. And in order for us to get that, we've got, unfortunately, we got to see some of these bigger programs kind of take a couple steps back. Like imagine if LSU really went into Alabama and won, things would get moving real quick. <laughs> I mean, so, but the thing is, they really buried Oklahoma, man. Like, I mean, you talk about a team whose playoffs hopes are pretty much crushed to go from, yeah. you know, the hype and the expectation around Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley and, you know, what this offense is going to do. And, you know, people had, I mean, pretty much penciled them in as a college football playoff, you know, participant. I mean, preseason is what it is, but, man, one loss to a ranked, you know, really good 16th ranked Kansas State team dropped them to nine. And, man, it's going to be hard for them to get back into, you know, the top four. And, I'm, I mean, it's not that it's a disappointing season. Listen, a one-loss season or even a two-loss season is not disappointing. But I'm just like, damn, the committee <laughs> didn't do them any favor. Because, I mean, they put them behind Utah and Oregon. And I, well, and, I, I don't really agree with that. And this, was, this is what kind of set me off, too, is that Georgia lost to one of the worst programs in the nation. I, I mean, I'm just going to put it out. South Carolina is not good. South Carolina is not anywhere near the top 25. They only yeah, dropped, if, depending on where you had them, I think most people had them as a top three, 
top four program anyway before that loss just by default, maybe at worst number five. But they're ranked six right now by the committee. And Oklahoma lost to a team that's ranked number 16, and they dropped – like they bottomed out basically. So it's, yeah. it just seemed like there was no rhyme or reason to it, like almost spiteful you could say. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see if they maybe have a change of heart um, with some of these other games. Like I said, there there's going to be a day of reckoning for the, for the uh, teams that are in this position. And um, once we get to – um, this next section, I'll explain to everybody what my conspiracy theory is and, and why I, I kind of see shenanigans and how this is set up. So we'll go ahead and we'll name our top or the top six teams. Um, <clears throat> that is the top six. I'm losing my train of thought. I'm so sorry. But anyway, we're going to go through go through the teams based off of where they look in the playoff picture. So coming in number six is 71, University of Georgia. Uh, we have University of Georgia as number six for us. Um Coming in at number five for the committee, however, is 9-0 Clemson University. Number five for our committee, um, the IBN committee, was Penn State at 8-0. So then you get into your top four teams, okay? For the actual playoff committee, their top four teams are Penn State at number four, Alabama at number three, LSU at number two, and Ohio State at number one. For our committee, it was Clemson at number four, Bama at number three, Ohio State at number two, and LSU at number one. Out of those four, like which which section do you think is, is uh, better? Do you like the Penn State uh, one or do you like the Clemson one? I mean, I, I think Clemson's better. The Penn State, right? And I mean, it's hard to. I'm just taking that assumption because it's just, you know, I, I think about Brent Venables, I think about Dabo Sweeney, Trevor Lawrence, ETN Ross, and I just look at the the playmakers in that team, and I and I just think that kind of the same thing we saw for Ohio State for a while. It's like they don't play their best games until they, you know, play their better opponents. So and they're starting to pick up and, and look better, you know, than what we expected them to look week to week. So maybe I just think they're better, you know, than than James Franklin and um, and Penn State. So, I mean, it's, it's I mean, I guess it depends, man. I mean, at this point, the committee is just I, I don't really know. Like it's just like, well, if I'm looking at it. I just think Clemson's a better team than Penn State. Penn State still obviously has to play Ohio State in two weeks. But I mean, just looking at the two teams and subjectively, I just do think Clemson's better. But I mean. So here's my conspiracy theory. I think this top four by the committee is some bullshit, okay? And I'll tell you why. Because they've got all four teams in the top four have to play each other. And I think they strategically did that and put Clemson at number five because it gives Clemson a pass. All they got to do is win out. There's nothing stopping them from making the playoffs, winning out. If Clemson's number four and they have a hiccup game, or something like that, then they probably don't make the playoffs. But because they're number five, like it's, it's kind of like it's a motivator, you know, like y'all not good enough to really get in there yet. You, you got to do a little bit more. And we know, or at least I personally know, how Dabo and that team rallies around stuff like that. Um, with that being said, too, it opens the door potentially for a Pac-12 uh, team, whether it be Oregon or Utah, 
to to kind of move into that that mix of maybe the number four spot because Georgia still has to play um, Alabama, right? Don't they still have yep. to play? I, I, yeah, so I think the, Georgia still has to play. Well, they got to play yeah. the winner of the SEC West. Whoever comes out of the okay. SEC West, they're going to meet them in Atlanta. Yeah. All right, so I might have got ahead of myself, but either way, it's it sets up a situation where they'll they'll probably be eliminated by process of elimination too off of whoever represents the SEC West. Uh, and it just makes their decision easier at the end of the of the um, season, I think, when they set it up like this with Ohio State at number one. Um, and then Ohio State, if they happen to lose to Penn State, they probably don't drop that far because Penn State's number four. You know, it, it's Here's like the we're gonna probably we're gonna get we're gonna get Ohio State. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I was gonna say we're gonna get. It just seems like it's it's kind of set up for us to get pretty much all conference champions. And I don't agree with that. <laughs> I mean, I think this and also, I mean, like you said, this sets up, I honestly think Clemson, it, they still could be hurt in the long run, even if they went out. One thing the committee has shown with two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams, they've obviously said, listen, these are the two best conferences in college football, and we're going to reward that. That's what they're saying. So if you're telling me that a Penn, a one-loss Penn State to a close game at Ohio State, I, I mean, I think Penn State is going to have that same compelling argument that, that the one-loss team on the outside has each and every year is to say, hey, we lost to our eventual conference champion in, you know, let's say Ohio State by, let's say, let's say you know, a touchdown or so. And, but we, you know, we were ranked number four, and maybe their resume is still more impressive than Clemson. I think – there's a way maybe a one-loss Penn State team could get in. I think you've seen, like, usually the SEC has gotten the benefit of the doubt of two teams in the playoffs, but I think you can set up for a possibility to have two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams in the college football playoffs. It's, it, just, it just seems like a cop-out. That's all. I'm just I'm a little, little angry. I, <laughs> I, I understand some people are mad because Ohio State is ranked number one, but – if you look at where Texas is now, it's not really that – it's not helping LSU, basically. They don't look – it doesn't look like a strong win, you know. Um, obviously, beating, you know, Florida and uh, Auburn helped. But in the same breath, those two wins were at home. And I, and I really think that the committee would have valued it even more if they were on the road. Now – I understand some people probably like, well, Ohio State hasn't really played anybody either, but that's not necessarily true. If you look at the strength of schedule oh. ranking, Ohio State strength of schedule is pretty tough. I think it's what, like in the 20s or now, something I, like that? I, I, yeah, it's the 20th ranked schedule, strength of schedule. Yeah, it's right? not. that's but not bad at all. I will say this. I think LSU and Ohio State and Alabama are a coin flip. However you decide to – one thing about the committee year to year I think we have to realize is that they move the goalposts every single week. Like, everything mm-hmm. – it, it really depends on how the 13 people in the room are feeling. So when, when they release these first initial rankings and people just go crazy, I think that maybe part of the process because I think they do send a message through these things, and I think what they're saying is we value Ohio State consistency. Nobody has been within 24 points of this team. You can only play who you put out in front of you, and just mm-hmm. if that's their grading criteria, fine. 
Next week, they could, I'm pretty sure if LSU or Alabama wins, they're going to be the number one team. And then next week, their criteria would be, oh, we were looking at, you know, strength of wins and strength of record. And it's like, yeah, I'm surprised. Even myself, I was surprised when Ohio State. I know even in the chat, I was like, man, I don't want us to be number one. And you're like, mm-hmm. man, who's going to do it? I was like, I don't know if you really – like. I ain't I mean, going to lie. I, did, I really didn't think they would. I really didn't no, think yeah, they would. No, yeah, a, a like, lot of – a lot of things that matter in this ranking are brand and public perception. The public perception the last few years is Ohio State was good, but they're always going to slip up, right? And mm-hmm. people always had this whatever feeling about Urban Meyer. And I think the committee won't uh, admit to that, but you can't tell me over these years that Ohio State wasn't still one of the four best teams in the country. Now I think you see this national headline of, man, Justin Fields, Ryan Day, Chase Young, they're dominating at every single level. And I think that matters into the committee also. And it's just, I, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with either pick. And, I, I mean, even obviously me as an as a Ohio State fan, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see where, you know, LSU or Alabama will be the better team. And I think a lot of that's just on brand name and recognition and saying that, hey, listen, we trust Alabama. We trust Ohio State to be this good. And I think LSU, like, this weekend is going to be really the first truly deciding weekend that's going to put a lot of pressure on the committee because you're going to have to make a decision between LSU and Alabama. And that's really going to be their first tough decision. Yeah. How much, how much does the, excuse me, how much does Bama fall? That would be, or or LSU fall, um, depending on who wins. Like I, I really want to see the fallout from that. Um, do you think there's a chance that a Pac-12 team will get in? And since you were talking, since you were talking about brand, would you would you anticipate it being Oregon instead of Utah? It, it was, I think well, they they still gonna have to play each other, right? And it looks like they're gonna play each other in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah. And I mean, I just don't think either of those teams, yeah, have enough. I mean, whether it's East Coast bias or you know whatever it is, I, I don't think Oregon or Utah either of them are just on the level of Georgia, Clemson, Penn State, Alabama, LSU, and Ohio State. I mean, you never know, right? You, you get a chance. That's why you play the game. But, mm-hmm. no, nah, I don't think the Pac-12, I mean, who? A, a, even a 12-1, and one, you know, Oregon, who's going to say, hey, our, our only loss was the very first game of the season and, you know, what some would say a fluky win or, you know, by Auburn. Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, they gave the game away. But, Still, I don't think that's enough to get them in. I don't think if Oregon was undefeated right now, they they would still be at seven. Yeah, it really, it really sucks that they lost that game. They shouldn't have lost, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, hey, it makes you it makes you mad, but um, that's really the only thing that that they have to go off of. Honestly, if they were if there was a negative, because outside of that, Oregon's been very solid. Um, Utah, just like you said, you're talking about brand and stuff. I don't, they don't even have the, I don't think they have the resume. Um, even if they win the Pac-12, it, it all kind of hinges on Oregon. Um, so you're, you're thinking the committee's going to have some tough decisions to make. We're starting with LSU and Alabama. Give me your prediction on the LSU-Bama fallout, um, for the committee. How do you think it plays out? I think the loser drops to fifth. If the loser is – well, I think if the loser is LSU, I think they may be dropped to fourth. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know because Penn State's going to play, you know, the number 18th ranked Minnesota. I don't think that 
that loser isn't going to fall. I think they're going to fall above Georgia and maybe below Clemson. So it's pretty much just going to be a round robin of, you know, this team moves out, the next team moves in. But mm-hmm. how close of a game, how does the team, you know, because obviously the eye test matters a lot. You know, you can't quantify it, but it seems like the committee is looking at these teams and saying, look, people complained about we don't watch enough of the game. We just, you know, take opinions and come in the game. And it's now, hey, you got football people in the room that are watching these games. And they say, well, hey, even though it's an eight-point loss by LSU, I still think they're the number three team in the country because, you know, just watching them play, I mean, you don't know. Week to week, you don't know what is going to happen. But if I would have to guess, I think they would at least drop two spots. Okay. Um, I've been going back and forth, and we could jump into best bets because this is obviously a game that everybody's interested in. Um, I just read a report uh, when we were talking that Nick Saban says that Tua looks pretty good, um, that he – should be ready to go by Saturday. Uh, the line is at six right now. If Tua plays, this is my best bet. <laughs> Give me Bama, man. Give me Bama all kind of ways. Six minute. I, I know in my heart of hearts they're a touchdown better than LSU if Tua plays. Now, even if Tua doesn't play, I'm still tempted to take it. But I, I really think um, Bama's been waiting for this. I know LSU's been waiting for it too. But they just don't have enough. To, to beat Alabama in Alabama. It's Trump Day. It, this team's going to be hype. <laughs> so it's just going to be hype. <laughs> I just think it's just going to be too much for them, man. If it, was in, if it was in the Valley, if it was Death Valley, then it, they might stand a chance. But I, I just I think this is their first true road test, and it's just not going to go over like they want to. Um, and I don't really consider Texas their first true road test because Texas isn't good. So um, the line's at six, spin at six. I I would anticipate the the two of news to kind of move the needle a little, um, but the over under is also interesting too. At sixty three, I think that's too low. I you know I'm on the opposite end of that. I think um, listen, Tua up until earlier today was a game time decision. Nick Saban mm-hmm. is a gamesman. He wasn't yeah. going to get in front of on that podium and say his quarterback wasn't doing good. He said he's progressing and looks like he may play on Saturday. Knowing Nick Saban, that's a signal to to the media that hey, listen, Tua's coming along. I don't really, we don't really know where he's going to be on Saturday, but he's going to play. Will he be a hundred percent? No. Is eighty five percent of Tua enough? Because I got a lot of confidence. I I think it'll be. I mean, I'm I'm like an LSU plus six. I think it'll be a forty two forty game or something like that, even with Tua in. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and who has the ball last, and who commits less turnovers. But it, I like I like LSU to cover. I, I mean, I was liking them to just let out win, but now when I roll it back and say, okay, Tua is going to be functional. He may not be 100%, but, I mean, a lot of his players are made, you know, not scrambling, but he likes to move around the pocket, you know, yeah. um, get, out, get outside, make some um, throws on the run. So, if he's limited and can't really be himself, I want to see, like, you know, how they get the ball. I mean, Ruggs, Judy, I mean, you pick a weapon. It doesn't really matter. But this isn't going to be your old LSU, Alabama, like three yards in a cloud of dust. This is, I think it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout, too. Like, that's why, um, yeah, that 63 think, is too low. Yeah, I think the 63 is too low, and, I, and I'm still okay with the whole touchdown thing. Um 
but I think one other thing that I find interesting too, and I'm, I'm just running it through through my mind mentally. How many times have we seen LSU take shots down the field? They seem to do like the the death by a thousand paper cuts. They're very precise. Like I would like, I wonder if Bama would be willing to to get it, you know, kind of get in their face and, and try to force them to to go more vertical. It's not that they're not capable. We just haven't seen anybody really try to make them do that. I mean, Florida. I don't think they had the pass rush that day because um, they had a couple of injuries. But I, I want to see if that would play a part. Somebody to make um, make our guy back there uncomfortable. Um, see how I mean, that I, works. Comparing the offense, I think LSU takes a pretty good – they took a pretty good amount of shots down the field, especially like mm-hmm. off of play action. So LSU yard per play is 7.87, and Alabama okay. is 7.86. So they're okay. pretty explosive. I mean, I think LSU – Alabama does so much yards after the catch, you know, okay. because you miss a tackle on rugs or Judy, and it's like, boom, they're out of the gate. And like mm-hmm. I said, LSU is probably more, they're going to manufacture their deep throws. You know, they're going to really look, you know, where they can pick and choose their spots. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, talk to me. When, I, when I've had a few drinks on my way back to the East Coast <laughs> on Saturday, I might be brave enough to take LSU money line. Man, I'm, 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 at some point, somebody has to – Knock this villain off, man. Somebody's got to take the head off Nick Saban. Ain't no way they doing this on Trump Day, man. On Trump Day? No (laughs) way. No way. Not not with the the, the main man in Alabama's plans. No way. No way. But, look, for real, though, um, I was going to say, you have to be drinking if you're going to take a money line for for an upset. That's definitely I know it sounds crazy for LSU. Ed Orgeron to come into Tuscaloosa and beat Nick Saban. But I, I just think that LSU has been preparing for this. Alabama, not saying that they haven't, but I just think something about Joe Barrow is a lot different than any quarterback that LSU's had in a long time. And he's a dude that's been through I mean, he's mentally tough, and he's a guy with a lot of – I got a lot of confidence in him, man. I'm, I'm ready to pull the trigger, man. Listen. You might have to talk to me on Valerio on Saturday, but I, I'm going with the Tigers. At some point, you gotta, you got somebody's got to be Nick Saban, man. Somebody got Somebody to, else. but it ain't it ain't Somebody mumble mouth. Up, it man. ain't mumble mouth. History don't even favor <laughs> them, man. Like I think he's like eight no against other like ranked opponents or something yeah. like that or something silly. Yeah, but then crazy. like oh and eight against. Uh, Ranked opponent's name Alabama, so like something crazy I saw on there. But yeah, ain't it? Um, let's see. We'll start with Friday slate. We've got uh, games that obviously people don't care about. Um, I would be, or actually, this is Thursday slate. I'm a little curious about the Temple South Florida line. Temple's favored by two. I have no respect for South Florida, but I wonder if I'm giving too much respect to Temple. That might be a trap line. I, I would definitely. Uh, look into that if I were people that were looking at because these small lines like this, man. And you also have the fact that Temple's playing for uh, bowl eligibility. I don't think South Florida's playing for anything other than not to get embarrassed. Yeah. But I would I would look into that game. Um, Friday slate isn't as interesting either. Central Florida is playing Tulsa. Washington is playing Oregon State, which after Washington's loss to um, Oregon and um, who they lose was it who they lose to last week? I think they had a 
Oh, Utah. So they lost to Utah last Utah, week. Yeah. So I, yeah, after that, I think um, the easing thing sounded good in the offseason. It looked good on paper, but it ain't working out. So I think they're pretty much done, too. Um, and then we get into Saturday. Florida State is playing a team that they historically do not play well against, and their coach just got fired yet they're only two-and-a-half-point underdogs going into Boston College. And I know Boston College quarterback is hurt, but I'm saying it again. A team that they have, like historically don't really do that well against with a brand-spanking-new coach in his first road game, come on, man. <laughs> like <laughs> It's got to be played, man. You got to go Boston College here. You have to. And and if you're scared about the spread, just take a money line, man. Like it's not that big, but I just I don't understand how anybody could possibly bet behind Florida State. Like that would be insane to me. That would be insane to me. So I don't know about you, but that's something that stands out to me. Yeah, that's man. Florida State is. I mean, why would anyone bet? on the side of Florida State at this point. I mean, as a program in turmoil, and even when things were going good, they were really bad. <laughs> I don't know how you could, even as bad as Boston College is, I definitely like Boston College. Actually, to win. I, I just think this program is everyone's going to mail it in, the coaches, the players, everyone. I, I just think it's the lost season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the perfect thing to pick on that line is weird, man. It is really yeah. weird. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something. Um, and then also, disclaimer, the bets that I tell you guys that I like, I'm not actually playing just yet. I will definitely tell you if I'm playing something. I think the only game I played, like, super early was when Michigan was the underdog to Notre Dame, which still I don't understand what that was about. But I played that super early. But, um, I mean, if I if I look at some data tonight and I see Boston College ain't got no, like, other injuries that I don't know about, I mean <laughs> – how do you not play Boston College there? That is weird, man. Um, any interest in Texas Tech and West Virginia? The over nah, uh, the over under nah. is at fifty nine and a half. Over, I think the over. That's interesting. Yeah, over, but that's what Yeah. Uh, <laughs> any interest in in laying forty three on Ohio State? Man, that's a lot of points. Even if it's a really bad Maryland team, there's no way Maryland's gonna just let Ohio State put. Yeah, 43 is a lot of points. I I wouldn't touch it, man. I wouldn't take it. Even if I ain't touching that line either. Yeah, that's a lot of points, man. To lay 43 points, that's a lot of points. <laughs> Considering that Justin Fields and, you know, the starters probably only going to play a half. Yeah, do y'all even cover those spreads that hard? When was the last time we ever man, seen Man, we've been covering. We've been covering machines this year. They said some outrageous lines, and we've, we've been beating them, but. 43 in a conference opponent. <laughs> go back yeah. to the man. We don't want you, man. That's sad. Go back, man. Go. Get out of here, man. That's bad. That's Rutgers bad. What do you think that line would be before even – we played them next week. What do you think that's going to be? Us playing um, what? They're talking about bringing uh, uh, Greg back. So, it's got to be at least 38, I think. Nah, it's going to be – if Maryland we, – listen, we're giving 43 to Maryland. We have to lay, man, 50 to Rutgers. Rutgers is dead <laughs> bad, man. 
Like, seriously, I'm like, that's an insane line. But it's like, man, we're laying 43 to a Maryland team that's looked like they've had a pulse at least. Dang, man. That's a lot. It's hard to say, man. It's hard to say. I wouldn't touch it either. I'm not – honestly, this weekend, I'm not laying – or this late in the season in general, I'm not laying anything on on scores or spreads that high. It just makes no sense because – Guys are like like Ohio State, like you said, they got way bigger games coming up. So if they get up by like twenty one yeah. on, on Maryland, they're not, they're yep. not they're cashing it. Um probably the marquee game of the twelve o'clock slate. Penn State is visiting Minnesota. Now I will say this as my disclaimer as well. I was in this situation earlier in the year when Penn State was visiting Maryland and I was like, Oh, Maryland, they might be my upsell alert, Maryland. And I got destroyed. I am, in fact, not blind to the fact that Minnesota does not have the athletes technically to keep up with Penn State. Um, But I saw Penn State play a team that I also thought didn't have the athletes in Iowa to keep up with them on the road. And it was it was quite a struggle um, to to cover the spread. So we're talking about a touchdown. The over under is at 48. Do you have any interest in this game? I mean, it's a lock. I think Penn State goes to Minnesota and beats them pretty convincingly. I think about 17 points are better. I think Penn State, just looking at, I mean, Sean Clifford and I think James Franklin are starting to, you know, things are starting, just starting to get in a rhythm. They've had some really good wins. They beat Iowa. They beat Michigan. I don't think they'd be intimidated by being in a big game. And if they're going to be the number four program in the country and really, you know, want to be, take, I mean, Penn State is in a, a, a great position to really surpassed Michigan and Michigan State and Wisconsin and everyone else as the challenger to Ohio State. And you got to go out and, you know, prime for, you know, the marquee game at the 12 o'clock spot to go out and prove that. So, I, yeah, that's a lot, man. I think Penn State beats Minnesota pretty. It won't be no boat rowing on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely um, I'm definitely not, like, opposed to uh, – Playing Penn State here, I just I just feel like I might get burned, and I'm gonna be really upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be really upset because, like I said, I I have the I have the data uh, from the Iowa game that was to me like a similar situation, and I thought they were more athletic, but I I think that was also a later game though. So I'll just go back and look into it. But like you're, you're thinking, Penn State kind of rolls them. I'm kind of yeah, I the think same Penn State beats them. Yeah. A game that I, I I don't I'm not gonna keep boring us with Big Ten games. Northwestern's line against Purdue is kind of fishy. Um, it's a little low, but I'll just leave that alone because they're not really teams that you should be betting on. However, <laughs> Baylor is them. visiting. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say Purdue man, they're down to that four string quarterback. So yeah. I mean, maybe Minnesota Northwestern looks up, you know, and gets a win. Interesting game to play, but. Well, that brings me to the next 12 o'clock game. Baylor's visiting TCU, and TCU just had a quarterback switch. Um, I think they just – I'm not – I didn't read exactly what happened to him, um, but they are – like whoever was their quarterback last week is no longer their quarterback. It said that they were changing another another quarterback. So um, let me see if I can Google it real quick. But that line is way too – like Baylor's a good team, man. Baylor's a good team, and, and – TCU, for what is worth, I don't think they're that good of a team. I don't. And um, 
I mean, they they had what their win against Texas. That's probably their Super Bowl. I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, he left the team. Yeah, he left the team. Oh, you're talking about um, Delton? Uh, yeah, yeah, he left the team. He's leaving the program. Why? That's crazy. I don't know, man. Personal reasons. Alex Delton. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy, man. All right, well, hey. Because Duggan replaced him, and uh-huh. and you know he was a true freshman, and after that he was just like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> well, they just also lost to Oklahoma State, coming off a loss, playing against a team that's eight zero with playoff aspirations. This ain't gonna be a game that Baylor's gonna overlook them. Um, so give me Baylor all day. Like, what is up with these lines this week, man? Either either these are all traps, or I'm just dreaming. <laughs> I'm about to have the best day I'm about to have the best weekend Of my life or it's going to be the worst Weekend because it's going to blow up in my face um, Am I seeing this right? Arkansas and Western Kentucky is a one point spread? Yeah Oh my god <laughs> <laughs> This is wild man That's Western Kentucky man. going to an SEC school And only being a one point underdog yeah, they got to kick Arkansas out. Yeah, that, that's there's no excuse for that. That's terrible. They're, they're really, really bad. That's terrible. I, I'm scared to even say what I'm thinking right now because it just doesn't sound right. Like, Western Kentucky? Good God. But um, I, I give it to them this week, though. The 12 o'clock slate is pretty interesting, man. I think we just went over, what, like three, four plays just in the 12 o'clock slate. So that's a, a busy yeah. uh, afternoon. Um. Rolling into our three o'clocks, we already covered um, LSU and Alabama. Uh, we, we're all over the over in that game. Um, do not be scared to play that man. You got two two explosive offenses. Like you gave a good stat about the yards per play. Like two explosive offenses. Do not be afraid of that. Um, I don't really have any interest in anything here. Like Virginia, Georgia Tech. That's a sixteen point spread. I'm not touching that. Um, I think. Virginia Tech was in there in the mix, too, or maybe they were earlier game. Um, Old Dominion is playing UTSA. Not interested in that. Colorado is Stanford, two teams I'm not interested in. Um, yeah, so I got nothing for the 3 o'clock slate. 3.30, Louisville, Florida. I mean, Louisville and Miami, I'm not really interested in that. Cincinnati's a 35-point spread favorite against Connecticut. Not interested in that. Like I said, this time of year, I'm not trying to play these huge spreads. I would never bet on a Michigan State game, um, so I'm not interested in that. Wake Forest, there it goes. Wake Forest is visiting Virginia Tech at 3:30. Wake Forest is actually a 2.2.5 favorite. Wake Forest is ranked. They're I think the yeah. number 21 team by the committee. They have been playing some really good ball. Um, I can't tell you exactly what they've been doing is really good other than winning, but it's been a team that people have been trusting um, on the gambling circuit for pretty much the last month. Yeah. What are we going to get out of Tech? That's the question. Like, you just never know. Like, like <laughs> you never Tech know. Played, week, man. Yeah, Tech played Notre Dame, like, surprisingly well, and then would turn around and just like a, a like a game like this and, and be at home and just drop a dud. It's just kind of weird. 
Um, you can't even trust the over under at sixty one and a half because who knows? Bud Foster might dial it back, and then Wake Forest might not even score more than twenty. So um, they had they had, uh, they had Notre Dame beat last week, man. I mean Notre Dame yeah. got. I mean Ian Book ran in at the last minute it was overtime, and man, I, I thought you know if Tech gets that win, man, that was a huge win for their season. But like you said, week to week, I don't know which Tech I'm gonna get. So I've been burned by them on one side of the line this year, and I've also, you know, picked them up in a game that was like, okay, well, you know, they yeah. gave me some money, but it's like, man, I don't touch these Tech. It's too, too volatile. Yeah, um, I wouldn't really touch that either. Uh, Arizona State, a team that I've, I've definitely went to a couple times, they're hosting USC. Their Arizona State is one-and-a-half-point favorites. USC, I think, is still on, like, their third-string quarterback. I don't think they're fully healthy yet. They just had a, a disappointing game against Oregon, I believe, last week. So they're in a situation where, I mean, they had that high, and now they're kind of down. To me, it's a good spot to, to take your chance at Arizona State, who's been pretty solid at home. And, again, the line's fairly low. problem with Arizona State is that they've, to, to my knowledge, the games that I've played them, they haven't blown anybody out. So you end up sweating into the last, like, four or five minutes. But they cover these small lines. So I kind of like Arizona State here. Man, Arizona State for me has been up and down, man. I remember I, remember I played them as a dog play. Um, I forgot who they played. Maybe it was no, it wasn't Arizona. It was um, I forgot who they lost to, but I was like, you know what, Herm, you burnt me twice this year, man. I'm cool, man. I I, I just can't. I don't know Jaden Daniels and that offense. They was just up and like you said, they don't blow anybody out. It's just who's gonna make you know the worst play down the stretch. It just looks like sometimes in these close games that Herm is. I don't know. He just plays a little tight to me and towards the end of the games. But yeah, I'm over Arizona State. Yeah, uh, Herm, Herm and them have been been real solid though with their uh, their yeah, adjustments. Oh, it was Colorado that that I got wrong. They they lost to Colorado. Okay. Like, hey. um, yeah, I, I think that was earlier in the year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for people who are listening or who only listen to the bet spot or, or whatever, these are the times where a lot of the data you've collected, you just kind of keep going at it because you really want to pay attention to bowl-eligible teams and teams who are trying to be bowl-eligible like that. That's where you're going to make your money at right now. So um, let's see. One that I was looking at um, Go ahead. is – is a game that I, I don't know. Maybe I'm undervaluing them after we blew them out in the horseshoe. But it's the Iowa Wisconsin game, and I was um, a dog nine and a half um, points. I, I like I like Iowa to cover the nine and a half. I think it'll probably be two boring, really slow paced offenses in a twenty degree Wisconsin weather, and it's going to be a twenty to you know. 18 type of game or eight or 20, you know, it's just going to be a ground out old big 10 game. And I don't see, I don't know. Maybe I just don't have a lot of faith in Wisconsin and the offense going forward after what I saw against Illinois and Ohio state. I, I like Iowa the nine and a half. I mean, I think my issue is, is that, um, like what, what does Iowa have to play for, man? <laughs> I mean, the West, 
I mean, the West is still up in the air. Is it, it still, can open? Go it's still way. open? Okay. Right. Yeah, because Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin. I mean, well, Wisconsin may be out, but I mean, yeah, Iowa's still alive. So is. Corey uh, made him. So now, go ahead. That's what I'm saying. It's just going to be a three team round robin down the stretch. So, this is a really important game for the Big Ten West. Corey made a valid point last week on the uh, NFL podcast when it came to betting against like teams that can't score. He's like, why would I bet a, a 10-point spread on the, in a game that people are only going to score no more than 12 points? <laughs> so, and if that's if you think it's going to be low scoring, then you probably want to take Iowa in the points. The problem is, though, if they lose 10 nothing, then you're going to be absolutely livid. Absolutely um, livid, but, yeah. Yeah, but – And that could totally happen gonna, with either of these things. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a, a ugh, t- type of game. Um <laughs> Let's see. Anything else stands out? I will say I'm I'm a huge Georgia State fan. Um, Georgia State's been really good for the money for me. Um, in spots where I played them, they got a small line at two and a half against uh, UL Monroe. Um, I will have my eye on that. Another team that honestly has done surprisingly well is Georgia Southern against the numbers. Troy is not doing that well this year. Um Troy actually, I think, just went to Coastal Carolina and lost not too long ago. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. like, a shock to me. But Georgia Southern has um, been playing really good ball, and I think it's a spot that I might look at them, too. Because, again, it's, it's a, a three-point spread, like something like that. It's not too big, not too small. Uh, in situations like this, where you have these small spreads like Georgia Southern, Georgia State, and they're on the road, just take the money line. You can do a money line parlay right here, and it would still pay out like two to one. And the odds are very high that they would still win. Um, so if you were afraid, like let's say Georgia Southern goes up to three and a half, you don't want to buy the hook or it's up four by the time the game starts Saturday, just take your money line and put it in a parlay with another small uh, spread money line. So uh, yep. let's see. There's not really anything else in the six o'clock spot that I would really look at. I mean, maybe App State gets up for South Carolina. They, they're giving App State five and a half, but, I mean, they, they just can't – they're not doing much on offense this year, and I think that's what's really hurting. Yeah. Like, they literally can't do anything but run the ball. Um, Fresno State hosting Utah State. Uh, I have no interest in that either, um, although Fresno State is pretty tough at home. I just have no interest in that game. Um, Cal and Washington State, no real interest in that game as well. Um, Clemson and NC State, no real interest in that game just because after what the committee did, Clemson probably going to win by 40. Um, Duke and Notre Dame, man, not really any interest in that yeah. either. Um, Duke's getting eight and a half. That's disgusting. But now we have – Liberty, Liberty's on a, on a world tour right now. Liberty <laughs> finally getting an appropriate number at 17, uh, visiting BYU. Uh, I don't really have no interest in that either. I just think it's funny. Uh, Tennessee is visiting Kentucky, and that's a pick em. That's kind of curious. Um, yeah, it's a pick em. I mean, I've played Tennessee in other spots, and I've, actually, I'm two and zero with Tennessee as a dog, but that's been home games. I don't know if if this is the play uh, on the road, but yeah, all the other games are not really that interesting at all, actually, as far as the lines go. Um, 
maybe Iowa State, Oklahoma over 66.5. I don't really know. I mean, Oklahoma's – I would rather sit back and watch what Oklahoma does as a team. How are they going to respond? Because, I mean, it, yeah, it's got to be disheartening. Yeah, it's got to be pretty disheartening for them to uh, to see themselves at ninth and basically not have any chance whatsoever to um, to make it into the playoffs. So um, keep an eye on that. I think, honestly, with the games we went over earlier and, and, and talked about from 12 until about 530, you've got enough games in there that you could, you've bet enough yeah. for the days. <laughs> like, you know, and then we still have college basketball going on, um, which has been awesome to watch and, and, and everything. So it's not like you're, you're not going to have other options. So don't force it, but I would definitely target some of these smaller, friendlier lines right now. Um, and like I said, do your due diligence, make sure people are not hurt, but there's really opportunity uh, this week to really make some, some good bank. Uh, you yep. got anything else you want to say, man, before we go? Your Seminoles, man. What y'all going to do? Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I wasn't trying to skip it. We we didn't do kitty table nothing. I mean, we did a, oh, a long spill on the um, committee's list and rankings. So we can leave the kitty table out this week. We yeah, we can leave the kitty table out this week. Because, I mean, you can still put Florida State at the kitty table. They fired their coach and, and don't have a backup plan. They're like, wait, we fired him. Now what? Come on, man. They trying to get stoops. They trying to get the ghost of Bobby Bowden. They trying to get anybody to come down there and coach. And I'm about to just throw my name in the hat, man. I don't need credentials. Tagger didn't have any credentials. <laughs> What's the point? Like, uh, I mean, Florida State needs somebody that can get talent back to the school, rally people, get them excited again about Seminole football. And, and whoever he is might need to go in, dig deep, and, and – get Dion and, and the rest of those alum to be a little bit more vocal and helping uh, with recruiting and so forth. But the, the program needs a spark, man. They need life again. Like, it's just dead, man. It's just just really dead. And I see that same thing in, in Miami. Like, the program is just dead. And, and those glory days are gone, and it's all in the faces of the staff, the fans. It's just not the same, man. So we just need energy, man. We really need energy first and foremost energy and then we need talent so i, I think really first just... and foremost y'all just need a football coach you had when jimbo when you had a guy that could just a good football coach uh-huh. listen you don't want to fertile recruiting like coaches i think it's just so simple it's like man when you're in a place like florida state i get it it don't follow the name just follow guys that can coach football like i think you look at like a guy like and Luke, P.J. Flex not coming, Minnesota's going to, you know, he's going to sign his extension. A guy like Luke Fickle, yeah, he, he has no ties to Florida, but he has a really good football coach. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, Bob Stoops isn't happening. He, he doesn't like recruiting anymore. Like, they got to make a really smart decision going forward, man, because you just paid out the largest buyout pretty much in college football history. It's what, $20, 25000000 million. And then mm-hmm. to turn around, you know, to be able to, want to rebound and reinvest in your program, man. That's a huge commitment. And if you strike out this time, man, that could set the program back forever. Like, <laughs> it would be, you know, they got to be really smart about what they're going to do going forward. Yeah, it's a delicate situation for sure. And um, What is it, Lane? I mean, be, you want Lane? That's what you want? I don't want Lane. I don't want Lane. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Lane Kiffin at all. Lane, you stay away from my team, man. Like, you know, I, I I get it. There's some People are desperate, man. 
You said what? There's some interesting candidates. I said Dino, maybe Matt Campbell at Iowa State. I, I think they're going to try to target someone. I would think someone like Matt Campbell is someone to really be, you know, a different voice and a, a more of a football coach first. And then, you know, maybe not as flashy of a recruiting a guy as a Willie Tagger, but maybe a better just all around football coach and give him the resources and the support around him to, you know, connect to South Florida, connect to the entire state, <clears throat> and, you know, to kind of restore the program. So, but I mean, then again, they could hire somebody like Jeff Fisher. So, Good God. They hired Jeff Fisher considering he no longer <laughs> Florida State fan of any nature. Any nature. Well, um, thanks for calling in, bro. As always, you know, since you're out in L.A., if you see Urban, tell him go ahead and, and call Florida State. Hook us up with a little something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but, hey, appreciate you calling in, man. Um, and, and we'll jump back on this next week and, and see what we have after that LSU and Alabama game. Cool, man. Have a, talk to you later. All right. This has been the IBM Weekly College Football Podcast, Week 11, and I'm your host, IBS Eases, signing off.